Welcome back to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and it's always, I guess not always, I shouldn't use the word always, but it's fascinating to see one of my favorite actors act without being able to see his face at all. Mm, indeed. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't actually think of that many cases where I've seen this, but I guess any movie where somebody's wearing a mask. Right. You're, are you not counting animated films? I'm not counting animated films, yeah. Okay. Because those have expressive faces generally. You're generally looking at something that corresponds to the performance of the actor. Right. In this case, you have nothing of the sort. Indeed. Uh, I'm Phil, your other co-host, and today's movie is a great satire of people who haunt social media with nothing to say. Oh, and by the way, follow In The Queue on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie that we are talking, of course, uh, talking about, of course, is Frank, and a Lenny Abrahamson film from 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may recognize that name from a podcast we did not long ago for the movie Room, which is nominated for Best Picture along with a number of other awards at this year's Oscars. Yep. Uh, this is the film that he did prior to Room, probably one might say the one that probably got him the gig. Indeed, it's probably his breakout film. I would say so. Um, and uh, it's a very interesting film at that. Uh, it is brought to us by John, who is our guest on the show today. Say hi to everybody, John. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to have an interesting conversation about this film, I think. But before we get to that, let's tell you how to find us on the web. You can find us by going to our website, which is www.in-the-q. That's the letter q.com. There you can find everything that we post. Uh, all of our episodes, you can find a comment section where you can leave any suggestions that you may have for films that you would like us to talk about. You can come on the show just like John is doing today and talk about the films. Mm. Uh, in fact, we encourage you to do that. It's really the lifeblood of our podcast, I think, and we really enjoy having these conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, it is, after all, called Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing on our Facebook page by going to Facebook and searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And there you can see everything that we post, including all of the supplemental materials that might help flesh out the experience of watching a film uh, with more information or some humorous asides. You can leave comments on our Facebook uh, page, Mm -hmm. which I would say is far and away the, the most popular way for people to do that. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at at ITQ Podcast. Uh, again, it's in the queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And you can engage us in conversation on Twitter. Uh, and finally, you can find us on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our podcast and get every single episode delivered straight to you, wherever you may be. Mm-hmm. It's like magic. What an age we live in. What an age we live in. Uh, so we encourage you to do all of those things, any or all of those things, and, uh, and that's pretty much it. So, as I said, we're going to get into a very interesting conversation about the movie Frank, uh, but before we do, I also wanted to get John's word on why it is that you recommended this film to us and why you wanted to talk about it on the show. Uh, well, I saw it less than a year ago for the first time on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it had Michael Fassbender and Don Hall Gleason uh, as the two main characters, and I love uh-huh. both of them. So 
I watched it, and as soon as the movie was over, I felt different, which very few movies have ever done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's just a lot of different messages that the movie is trying to convey. So I thought it would be an interesting conversation to get different different takes on the main themes of the movie. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I think that you're right. It does uh, wrestle with a number of different issues uh, and themes, I would say. Uh, for those who have not seen the film or are not familiar with the film, it is about a young man played by Domhnall Gleeson uh, named John, who is uh, a frustrated artist in his own right. He, he wants to write music. He writes music that is subpar at best i would say yeah and his lyrics he labors like for hours trying to come up with the right lyrics for his music and the lyrics are always very trite and um he just the 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 opening of the film it just it paints a portrait of a guy who labors a lot for his art and doesn't get a lot to show for it yeah 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 he 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 puts in the the time and the work but it it maybe doesn't have the talent (laughs) i would say and through a series of uh, sort of extraordinary circumstances, he finds himself uh, unexpectedly the member of a band called Soren Perferbs. <laughs> that's that was, a good, that's my that's best a good pronunciation. That's my best pronunciation that I can come up with. Uh, it's it's a, a it's all of those letters that you just heard sort of squashed together, and it's not really a word or anything. Um, and it is led by a man by the name of Frank, who everyone in the band reveres as a genius. Uh, and he is the driving force behind the band. But he wears a mask at all times, a gigantic mask, a head. Paper mache head. A paper mache head with uh, audio equipment installed into it so that it can amplify his voice and do various fun things. And uh, and John gets sucked up into the world of this very avant-garde band that makes sort of noise rock, uh, kind of you know out there experimental music, uh, using all kinds of different instruments or sounds or all this kind of stuff. And he gets wrapped up in their process and in the sort of cult of personality that surrounds Frank and. Uh, has adventures with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I want to say that much more about the plot because there there's some discovery to be made kind of in watching this film that I think that is important for the viewer to have. I think it's also a little unfortunate that the one of the most amazing discoveries somebody can make about this movie basically gets spoiled as soon as you see what the poster looks like because <laughs> one of my, like... Seriously, this became my favorite movie moment of 2014 retroactively when I saw this <laughs> film because uh, when John first gets kind of inducted into the band by total chance, basically, uh, he gets he becomes a member. He was in the right place at the right time, literally. Uh, yep, yep. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to be playing, but he gets on stage and he's standing there by the keyboards waiting to see what's going to happen next. And there's an audience. And then... Frank comes on stage with his gigantic paper mache head and, (laughs) you know, just like looking at John's expression in the film, you're like, he's thinking, what the fuck am I getting myself into? And and that's kind of the 
sets the tone for the rest of the film because he just gets into this world of, you know, pretentious artists who are so like enamored with what they do. And yet they're very unwelcoming to him as a member of the band. Oh yeah. Unquestionably, unquestionably. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating film. I don't know whether I loved it <laughs> or not. Uh, in fact, I would say that I, I, I don't think I loved it, but I found it to be con- consistently interesting to watch. Um, it was also interesting having just coming, ju- having just come off of watching a room, yeah. uh, to see a very different approach, uh, to a subject matter and to a film, uh, in this film. Uh, but what I enjoyed, I think the most about it was sort of really subtly bizarre humor. I mean, this is a really kind of strangely and unsettlingly funny film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and it's a lot of fun in that way. I found, I found myself enjoying Frank's strangeness to a degree that I didn't expect, especially at the beginning where I sort of wrote these off as, as you say, Phil kind of like pretentious musicians who are kind of snobbish and exclusive and elitist, uh, elitist, unwelcoming. (laughs) Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. um, Yeah. Go ahead, John. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that um, maybe as far as the pacing of the movie, that was more, maybe done more intentionally in that, uh, Early on in the film, like you mentioned, when Frank first comes out on stage and you see John's expression, I feel like we are put in that passenger seat as John and saying, like, what is happening? Exactly. And you, yeah, yeah. it's a little off-putting, but then as the plot gets you know, peeled back and you learn more about these characters, you kind of get a shift in, like, I don't want to say, like, who you're rooting for, but... Uh, you, you kind of start to drop your drop your guard a little bit and, and kind of maybe backpedal as mm-hmm. far as being pretentious versus, you know, like, okay, there's something substantive to this. Right, right. Well, th- I mean, the band, they definitely take themselves very seriously. And I kind of thought that the movie that we watched the movie Frank by directed by Lenny Abramson is kind of like the cinematic equivalent of the band itself because it, it does not, it does not really make things that easy for us. I mean, the film, the film works on one level as just kind of like a funny satire or a funny film that, that, that you can laugh at like, Oh, he's got, he's got this giant head. It's just so crazy. And then all these people are acting crazy, but beneath like that, like veneer of like the kind of material that like might appeal to like the groundlings at the globe theater mm-hmm. beneath that, like layer of, of just kind of silly humor. There is a lot going on to sort of parse through and, and sort of examine like what, what is being said about like, you know, the nature of art. I mean, it's at the, mm-hmm. the very fundamental question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the nature of why one does art or why one yeah participates in the, in the dance. Right. Because I, as you said, I think in the beginning, Phil, you, you were talking about it being a sort of satire of our social media culture. And I think that the, I think that that was there for sure. Although I found it to be less, I found that to be one of the less compelling thematic elements of the film. Uh-huh. Um, but certainly, 
one of the key moments in the film comes at a point where uh, basically John has convinced Soren Perfurs <laughs> to uh, <laughs> go to South by Southwest to play because they have all of these views on YouTube and they have all of this, you know, they have, they have an audience out there that's just dying to hear them. And then of course, when they get there, the audience is less than expected. Right. Uh, it, in fact, it's nearly non-existent. And, uh, and that says something about social media right there. I mean, well, sure. It yeah. creates the illusion of fame mm-hmm. and stardom when it's just a very small segment of the population at large that are, have actually heard yeah, of it's you. A totally ephemeral thing. And yeah, and what is it? What is it to say you have two, seven, three, nine, five views or whatever it is that they that they say? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, those aren't necessarily unique views, right? It could be the same person watching the thing 27,000 times and then only 395 other people. Yeah. I guess this is something that I've always wondered, like a a view on YouTube, it basically consists of just like one second of the video being played. Right. It's not like the, the, the whole video has to be played to get one view. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an, there's an amusing device, even if Andrew says that it wasn't that compelling for him, uh, of where John keeps checking his Twitter followers throughout the film and this has become like the standard for how social media is represented in film these days. You know, mm-hmm. we we actually see the Twitter icon on screen superimposed over the shot, and we see what the, the tweet is. We see who's tweeting it, and we're basically seeing what the person sees when they make the tweet. And his the Twitter followers for the band um, like continually increase little by little, because um, right, right. and and you actually sort of are rooting for um for john and and because it seems like he's actually getting somewhere um little mm-hmm. by little he's getting some kind of a following and i actually like the fact that you know whenever there's a movie about somebody who's kind of down on their luck or, or like an artist who just like can't get a break i think it's really tiresome whenever the film like continually shows how bad everything is and there's never any bright spot and you know that's not very realistic and it also kind of is a a waste of a film because you're not really sort of offering much in the way of of a complex story and no, nothing is ever terrible all the time so mm. uh, despite the fact that his twitter followers are going up and he's getting more more quote unquote fame he's still having tons of problems and there's the continually like butting heads with the Maggie Gyllenhaal character too, which I think we should acknowledge. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is is good in this film. She's sort of uh, abrasive. She's she's sort of the least welcoming member of the band. Well, maybe not the least. I guess the the, fr- the Frenchman, the French couple, whatever, <laughs> are a little bit less welcoming. Um, but yeah, she she sort of plays antagonist and an antagonist role to john mm-hmm. she's the one who doesn't want him there um she serves as a great foil uh but john can i ask you uh what are the themes that spoke to you the most in this because in in the beginning you said that there was a you know there's a lot going on here and uh, a lot to interpret so so what are those what are those elements that spoke most to you uh the big one that i took away from the movie is basically I felt like the the main message, I could be wrong, is that everyone has something that they can do naturally. It's just 
their ability, mm -hmm. their talent, you know, it's just something that they get and they understand. And for the movie Frank, uh, Frank, the title character, he didn't know anything else except making music and creating a message in his own bizarre way. Right. Uh, right. The, char the character John wanted to, you know, be on that same level and that same echelon of like creating music with a message, but he did it because he wanted to not because that was all he knew. So the, the big thing for me was that Frank is about, you know, finding the thing that you do well and basically just coming at it like teeth gnashed claws out and just, you know, attacking mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to say something. Phil? I was just going to say that sounds like, um, Mac, Max Fisher's philosophy from Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. Um, you just yeah. find what you want to do and do it forever. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that means just going to Rushmore is that's what you're good at. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's an interesting way to look at it too. And I think that, um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think, John, you know, I know that, you, you know, you do improv and you're part of an improv group. And I just wondered if, if um, you sort of could, like, perceive this group of, of performers in the film as being something that you could relate to for, as, for, as being part of a group yourself, a group of artists all trying to collaborate. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel like um, the other members of the band before John joins – kind of have the same drive and determination, even though Frank is definitely the leader. Um, I think uh, ultimately it's about a guy who sees a thing and says, yeah, that, that looks like fun. That looks like something I'd want to do. And he's just not too good at it, but he, mm -hmm. you know, he's driven and determined. And it's, I think it's about that kind of hive mind that, that group mindset of, you know, we're doing something special and important and they do take it very seriously to the point where it could be pretentious, but ultimately it's <laughs> something very important. So, so John, do you think that the film exalts the idea of participating in something that is greater than yourself, even if you don't have the talent or the, the facility to do it? Or do you think it's more about finding that thing that you can do, even if you're lousy, like if you're lousy at something, leave it alone. <laughs> basically. That's wow. That's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think John's character, um, you know, could certainly have a future in management or PR, um, not necessarily <laughs> writing music, but, um, I, I yeah. think that, um, I think that the movie says that, you know what, if even if you're not good at it, if you are passionate about it and you follow it and you're putting your heart and soul into it, that's okay. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. He also though did some good in the end. John did. Like mm -hmm. I mean, maybe kind of uh unwittingly, but you know, without giving away too much about the ending, like John kind of we we see him kind of walking away from the band right when they're gelling and mm. um, they're starting to really create music for the first time that's that they seem to be really into and really kind of direct yeah, and yeah. emotional and 
it seems like they went they they broke through a, a wall and they had to have John's involvement to get there. And I think John yeah. kind of realized it and he thought, okay, well, this is this is the time to walk away. And what he's going to do next, maybe his management, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, well, without giving away too much of the ending, like that that catharsis scene at the uh, at the dive bar, that is that is the moment for me that I that I picked up on what that movie meant to me mm-hmm. in that, you know, uh, when you're involved with something as big as that, maybe not necessarily on like a populist scale but something as big and important to those people maybe it's better if you just take a step back you know you've done your good deed you have led the israelites out of egypt and you know whatever (laughs) right quit while you're ahead yeah 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 yeah. and I, i think that it also helps structurally with the film that uh there's kind of parallel character arcs happening between john and frank Right, we're actually watching Frank go through an internal crisis and a transformation and uh, a change of outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that that John kind of goes through the same, not the same kind of transformation because they they come to very different ends, but they're they're having this. You know, they're they're both having. They're, they're both affecting each other's journeys simultaneously. Uh, and I think that that it makes for a very interesting kind of roller coaster of, uh, of emotion, maybe not emotions, but of, uh, of change in their characters. Would you say that maybe like their paths kind of crossed, they hit a crossroads where maybe both the characters are thinking at the same time, maybe this thing that I'm doing isn't what I should be doing. Like maybe, be a crisis of conscience or you know something like that yeah i i think they both hit a crisis of conscience that leads them both to different conclusions right okay they both come to a different point in the end again not 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 giving away the ending even though we're talking a lot about it here <laughs> they both they both come to a different uh understanding of themselves i think that their characters are inextricably linked in this story um, Frank, I think, as I recall, having seen the film, Frank was the the one that was always the nicest to John. Um, yep. oh, I yeah. mean, they 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 just seemed to to get along, even though John was always really curious about what's underneath Frank's giant paper mache head, and you know, does he shower with it on, and all kinds of mm-hmm. other, you know, right. curiosities. Right. Um, but but they always seem to sort of be on the same level in some way they seem to it, it makes sense that that they affected each other the way that they did because they were both receptive to what the other person had to offer and they yeah. both yeah they both changed seriously and um you know you you kind of get the sense that you know what's going to happen with frank and his band but you, you're what actually is going to happen with john is a real mystery it is it is I think that's a great point you made, Philip, about uh, Frank being the most supportive of John. When you look at the rest of the band uh, being standoffish, you know, maybe you see Frank as the one who's like, oh, you're interested in this. Let me introduce you to, you know, this world. Whereas maybe the other members of the band see him as like, oh, you're going to, you know, 
you're going to latch your horses to this wagon and ride it as far as it's going to go. Maybe seeing him as a poser or an outsider. Interloper. Yeah. An interloper. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, (laughs) oh, they're, you know, you're stealing Frank's attention. And, you know, Frank. Yeah. Frank likes you. Therefore, I don't like you. Yeah. He's, he's, John ends up being kind of the Yoko Ono of the, (laughs) of the group. (laughs) Right. I might be giving too much credit to Yoko Ono. Um. <laughs> oh, whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it is interesting. Um, but he's always sort of like balancing on that razor, razor's edge, though, don't you think, uh, John? That is because he, it becomes clear to him pretty early on that Frank didn't like him to begin with, right? He He makes an effort to be sure, but... Uh, I think somewhere in there they mentioned the fact that he was like, who is that that kid who stumbled on stage and just decided to start playing with us, mm-hmm. right? I don't know whether that's more a comment on Frank or more a comment on the band not telling him that, that you know, this kid was going to be playing with them on stage. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's a great one-off line, I think, like at the beginning of that scene where John is introduced to Frank for the first time. As they're walking Frank off stage, you just barely hear it before the scene cuts you hear frank say who is that which <laughs> yeah, I, yeah it is just is so wonderful in that you know like they're just following frank's lead and frank is going to be frank and you know like the rest of the band will pick up the pieces yeah 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 and and i'll say um you know michael fassbender being one of my favorite actors working right now uh, one of the fascinating and enjoyable things about this film, and I think this is goes as as much credit should go to his acting ability as should go to the design of this head mm-hmm. that they put on him. But they, it's it's remarkable how expressive he can be with his body and with just like a tilt of this big head, or you know, just a a, a blank stare. I mean, it's always a blank stare, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it's amazing how often you can read the perceived emotion behind what he's doing, even when there's nothing, no information for us visually to to take in. Yeah, and and it's something to really kind of be amazed by too, especially in scenes that require movement or action on the part of Michael Fassbender, because yeah. he's able to kind of orient his body, and he must be somewhat aware of how he looks because of the way he stands like it, he, we're never he's never really at like an awkward angle to the camera where we only see like you know one and a third of his eyes like he's able right, to right. kind of still act and still perform as you said Andrew but and yet he's his instrument if the actor's body is an instrument has this <laughs> very kind of unruly awkward appendage that he has to deal with and uh, you know, even with the giant paper mache head on, Michael Fassbender is still one of my favorite actors. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you wanted to say something, Phil, about Maggie Gyllenhaal as well. You wanted to recognize her performance. Oh yeah, I just wanted to say um, she did a great job of being a very kind of difficult person who butts up against John, and then. Um, I always wondered if this actually happens in real life where you have like 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 hate chemistry with a woman and it's so intense that you end up hooking up. And um that that <laughs> Yes, it's real. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that seems to have happened in the film quite uh, dramatically. And uh, I thought that it was, you know, really believable. But John, please yeah. continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Um, I, I think that uh, that that particular scene between Maggie Gyllenhaal's character and Dom Hall Gleason, um, there's just like there's this palpable tension and like hatred, and I feel like that says a lot for that line between love and hate and lust and all those emotions getting mixed up together, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the backdrop for like how they got in that position being isolated out in the woods and also a doing very, this very tense, a very uh, strategic edit too. Yes. <laughs> like from the moment, from the moment when they first realize their passion and then boom, it cuts right to them doing it in the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you yeah. can't say enough about the editing. Sometimes it can really, Sort of make things easy to easy to communicate. Yeah, certainly can. It certainly can. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is is pretty consistently interesting as an actress. And I think the last time we talked about a film with her on this podcast is when we were talking about Stranger Than Fiction. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and it's you know she can embody such a, a wide range of emotion and feeling and character. Um, I just I, I thought she was very interesting in this film, even though I kind of hate her character in this film. She's not a likable uh, character. No, not at all. Uh, she's just you know she's just so angry and cold. But it's you know it's it is that kind of Yoko Ono like you're breaking up the Beatles, man, kind of energy, right? Like she comes off as like she's the only one who truly understands Frank's vision, and everyone else is either faking it. Or, you know, just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You know, that's a, that's an easily hateable character when they <laughs> want to keep everything for themselves. Yeah. And kudos to Maggie Gyllenhaal, too, for being fearless in that regard to to play somebody who mm-hmm. was so passionate about what they did and so single minded and just didn't give a shit how they came across. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I think she had to she had to tell herself you know, she's a serious actor, so she's not going to say, okay, Maggie, I've got to be really, really bitchy in the scene. Like, my motivation is be bitchy. No, that's not how actors work. She had to love her character and really take it seriously so that she could deliver, you know, all those authentic emotions. Be- yeah, believing yeah. in that choice that yeah. she's making. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, the other central performance of this film is Domino Gleason, who's in everything these days. <laughs> I love him. I love uh, him so much. In in three huge films this year that were on uh, Phil and my top ten or top eight lists yeah. of the year. What was he in before oh. this? Before Frank? Uh, he was in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Is that how you discovered him, John? Uh, no, actually, Frank. And then I kind of worked backwards from there. Okay. Yeah, and he's he was in. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but he was in the uh, British television series Black Mirror. He was in an episode of that, uh, which was quite wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I I hadn't remembered him, seeing him in anything other than Harry Potter and Never Let Me Go. Oh, I, uh, I forgot he was in Never Let Me Go. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, he's he's right there towards the end of Never Let Me Go. Um. They have that devastating interview, <laughs> right? 
with the the hopeful uh, couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, what a what a great movie that was. Uh, <laughs> we did we did that. I've not seen that. Oh, it's. I actually kind of was. I would see it oh. again. You know what? I've yeah. seen the last fifteen minutes, and I feel like I don't like I I can't watch the rest of it because the last fifteen minutes ruined the rest of it for me. The last fifteen minutes are pretty devastating, and yeah, yeah, would probably be. Uh, I, I can't imagine out of context how that would that would play to somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Frank. Frank is a very interesting film. Uh, I've actually, I think, I'm appreciating it more talking to the two of you um, than I did just cu- coming off of watching it, uh, yeah. which I think is a good thing, and it and it shows that there's some depth to it there's some some substance there mm-hmm. um i think it's it's worth watching for the the performances i think that it's definitely worth watching for the like kind of offbeat humor <laughs> it's just it's a weird weirdly funny movie um but yeah it's uh, it's an interesting film and i think that i would recommend it um uh especially if you like these actors that we've been talking about uh they all turn in very good performances this is one of those movies kind of like uh, anomalisa that we reviewed a few weeks ago where it the movie really pays off when you start to talk about it with people um, yeah yeah you start to see other perspectives that people have and and hear their take on versus your take and you can generally come away from that with something more i did want to say something about the direction of the film like the actual yeah, the actual directing uh, which I think is very strong by Lenny Abrahamson. Um, and one thing that I really liked is he directs the band as a unit. He mm-hmm. all all the members of the band. There's what like four or five, um, and Frank. Um, he has he often has these shots where everybody is in the same shot together, and rather than cut to like a reaction shot of one person when something interesting has been offered, he cuts to a shot of everybody. And everybody is kind of sitting on the bed in, in that one scene, or they're standing around, and you've got multiple reaction shots that are in one image. And that's always more interesting to look at and 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 says more than just having, okay, we're going to have one close-up on one person. And I thought that the, that really showed how the band itself was like... Uh, a living character. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I also recommend the film too. It, it's, it's, it's weird and it's funny. It's got a lot of great actors in it. And, um, I think we'd had a very fruitful discussion about it. So yeah, I was, I, I'm on board with team Frank. Hooray. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for recommending that to us. I think that, uh, it's one of those films that was, you know, in the queue, so to speak, but, uh, it was going to probably be a while before I watched it because I, you know, something always was rising to the top and I was always kind of like, eh, I really want to see it mostly for fast bender and, you know, I can wait on everything else, but uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that I finally, uh, got the chance to watch it. Um, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we hope to see you back on the show again at some point in the future. I would love to. Thank you. Join us for our next episode when we we will be talking about the new release Race, which should be interesting about Jesse Owens and the 
German Olympics. Marks the dramatic debut of SNL's Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that should be interesting. Oh, yes. I, I don't know what to think quite uh, from the trailer, but uh, we will see very, very so- shortly. We'll see. So uh, thanks again for joining us, John. Uh, thank you out there for listening, and we will catch you next time.